Welcome back to another episode of Louisiana Ladies. My name is Melissa Torito. And I am Maggie Robinson. And this is a podcast with with no no agenda. We would love if you guys would subscribe to the podcast and that way you never miss a new episode. Additionally, when you subscribe, if you could rate and review, we would really appreciate that as well. We are also on social media, both Instagram and Facebook, so please give us a follow at Louisiana Ladies Podcast. And Maggie? You can reach us at our email address, louisianaladiespodcast at gmail.com. Okay, guys, we are back with another episode of Louisiana Ladies. Happy Monday to everyone. This is the first Monday in April. Got to think a week ahead. Uh, And I just realized as I'm saying this out loud that I made a note to myself that we are supposed to have a new book. So do we want to do like a candid pick of book of the month? Did we already do the Midnight Library? No, but I've read that one. Uh, well, it's gonna be you're gonna have to guess it then because you read all the books. What What else you got, Katie? Um, do you like to read? Love to read. Oh, Katie, do you, do you have, have a book favorite? that you've read recently? Yeah. That can be our. Um, this is our guest. We're putting her on the spot in thirty seconds. <laughs> it's hard. I have so many. Midnight Library is so good. But if y'all haven't read it, have you read it? What is that? The Midnight Library. D- don't rely oh, on Maggie. It, it really takes is her, so It takes good. her three months to read a book. Okay. Mm-hmm. Don't give me that size. You told me your goal was one book a quarter. <laughs> I read Malibu Rising oh, in, so good. in two days. Yeah, Seven Husbands, Evelyn Hugo. I have that to have one. that one. That one's people reading that one So right good. Now. That one's my fave. Okay, so there is a, uh, I follow, I think her name's like Lauren McBride. Oh, Lord. I really, heads up, listeners, I'm not prepared today. Um, anyway, she, she has like a QVC line or something like that, but she started a book club and their book of the month is One Night on the Island by Josie Silver. And I feel like I've read a couple of books by that author. However, that one doesn't pass my Goodreads test. It only has 3.86. Have I done Love Hypothesis? No. Well, I've heard that. Oh, wait, maybe, but you know. It's real cute. It's not. I like cute books. It's not thought provoking, but it's real cute. The Love Hypothesis? Mm-hmm. This one? Yep. That's cute. Yeah, I've heard of that. I one. have not read that because... It's really it, good. Okay. The cover is deceiving. It's cute. By Alan oh, I think it looks uh-huh. cute. Wait, okay. let me see. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've seen a different cover of it. Possibly. I feel like there's another book not with Still the same like? name, but... It's worth it. Uh, look one. at the ratings. Look, I yeah, the ratings. I, okay, so one. thank you, Katie Jenkins. So you bailed Woo. us. You just bailed us out. So the Love <laughs> Hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood is our April book of the month for Louisiana ladies. It has four point three eight stars on Goodreads with three hundred and eighty three thousand ratings. Nailed one it. One of mine. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I gave it five stars. Awesome. <laughs> hey, so now we can talk about our lovely guest who actually reached out to us on Instagram. So come and talk about what you're very passionate about. Um, so we're excited to hear about all of that. And always, I've said this before on the podcast, I love it when we have a guest that I don't know because it's just like I'm really, we're really getting to know you on the podcast. And so it's nice and, and candid, even though she does know my sister-in-law, Amy Torito. So mm-hmm. shout out, Amy. <laughs> all right. So Katie, where are you from? I'm from Baton Rouge. Born and raised. Yep. Okay. So I'm going to ask the question that 
I feel like only people in Baton Rouge ask, and that's where to go to high school. Okay, I went to Runnels. You went to Runnels. I okay. did. I did. But only people in Baton Rouge asked that, I think. Literally only yeah. people in Baton Rouge. Everywhere else, I feel like, where did you go to college or yeah. something like that? Yeah. And it's like, well, you probably, if you're from here, you probably went to LSU or Southeastern. You know, we got some major universities. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, born and raised Baton Rouge. Have you ever left for any time? No. I mean, I live in Prairieville. Does that count as leaving? I mean, <laughs> no, that's a stretch case. That's a stretch. <laughs> no, I haven't left. I'm just here. Okay, so let's talk about what you're passionate about. So you are are the owner of Grace Therapy, and yes. you started this. Yes. Okay, so let's just take us, walk us through that. Like, okay. You can go all the way back to graduating college, or you did something before. Um, you, you tell us what you want to talk about. Okay. Um, so basically, I am currently a board-certified behavior analyst. Sounds super scary. Not that scary. Basically, we analyze behavior, but mostly in kids, to teach. And so... Um, I have a passion for kids with special needs. Um, I kind of got that passion through nannying for a family of a kid with cerebral palsy. And um, he was in a wheelchair. And I just, like, fell in love with him and just, you know, like, that kind of realm of the world. And I kind of had no idea um, that ABA, which is Applied Behavior Analysis, which is what we do at Grace Therapy, had no idea that existed at the time. Um, So I went the route of, like, maybe I want to be a speech therapist I don't know. I want to work with this population of children. Like, what does that look like for me? Um, so I was waiting tables at the country club, mostly for connections, you know, because it's never a bad idea. So that's what I did in college. And that's someone came up, Yeah. And someone <laughs> came up to me and was like, hey, you like kids. My daughter's opening a clinic. You should work there. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so um, I did that and fell in love with ABA. And I was there for 12 years. And then um, just this last year, I opened up our own center. Okay. Um, the needs are crazy. Um, we have a crazy wait list. We have people calling every single day. Um, diagnoses are increasing. Um, you know, I have my theories on that, but at the same time, like everyone can use help in parenting and everyone can use help, um, in supporting kids in the classroom. And so we're really just kind of exploring those options at this point. Yeah. So you opened this during COVID? Um, yeah. So last year, it's actually almost a year, um, next month. Okay. And, Congratulations. Um, thanks. And so, yeah, basically during COVID. Okay. Because why not? Why not? Yeah. Um, okay. So let me ask you this. So I will be honest. When it comes to autism, you know, we have some, um, I shouldn't say some, but uh, one of my husband's cousin's child, he had, children has, is autistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't, I would, I would just be very candid and vulnerable and honest that I am a little a lot ignorant when sure. it comes to that. We have a client that runs another clinic. And so when we go there, it's just, you know, it's, it's eye opening for lack of better mm-hmm. words. Um, so, you know, one of the things that you put is that you want to talk about autism and the importance of early intervention services. So can mm-hmm. you kind of explain what does that mean? Sure. So basically why autism is so intimidating to people, in my opinion, is that it's a spectrum. So, like, you may meet one child with autism and people say, now you've met one child with autism because they're all different. And so it's really interesting. Um, to me, it keeps it exciting, but it's also really hard to, like, there's no one and done treatment, right? Like, okay, you skinned your knee, we put a Band-Aid on it and we clean it. That's not really how it works in the autism world. Um, and so, you know, it can look anything from non-vocal um, lots of what we call stereotypy, you know, so like hand flapping or stereotypical things you would think of when you think of autism. That's kind of where that comes from. All the way through, people always ask about Rain Man. 
you know, which is really not the norm at all, um, or Asperger's. So sometimes that's lumped in with autism. I think now it actually is officially there. Um, and so for us, it's like early intervention is key, especially right now, because what's happening is, and this is what I have seen in my practice, is that basically kids who are born in COVID are now going back into schools. And then parents didn't realize if you don't have any other kids and you just have one kid at home, and no one's really being exposed to them during that time. You know, they're missing out on those key times of like, hey, maybe their language is a little bit delayed or, you know, maybe we should keep an eye on, you know, toy play or social skills or even looking at some eye contact stuff. Um, and so or we're also seeing the kids who maybe got pulled from daycare, went home and quarantined around two, and then it delayed the diagnosis process until now we're seeing them at four and five. Okay. So it's a little bit like early intervention to me is key right now because I think people are kind of, they feel like they've waited long enough or they're like told sometimes to sit back and wait and it's just not as effective. Okay. So I would think that somebody who has their, you know, first child may or may not be familiar with what exactly to look for because I mean, I'm uh, okay. So uh, by the way, I do not have children. So okay. I, I live by, through the... Amy Torito, who has uh-huh. three, and my sister has two. In fact, just to let everybody know, I went and picked up Major from track yesterday, you know, and he was like, hey, what are you doing here? <laughs> but, yeah, but I was, I just think that if you don't know, or maybe your pediatrician, I'm not sure, you know, if a pediatrician is skilled in that area, it seems like a very special skill set. They might say that. I could see them saying, okay, this seems a little delayed, but, you mm-hmm. know, maybe it's just going to take your child a little bit longer, you know, so I guess... If somebody has some concerns about maybe abnormal behavior or something that's, you know, just not, they seem, it seems delayed, mm-hmm. the best thing for them to do is try to get a consultation or something. Yeah. And so, that's with like somebody like you or is that with a doctor? I mean. No. So it's a little bit tricky. Um, a lot of times you need to go to like a psychologist, a neurologist, a developmental pediatrician. Um, typically the first line is, honestly, if your kid's in school, the teacher's going to say like, hey. You know, maybe you should go get a, we, what we say at, so I'm partnered with Grace Life Preschool. And so we say a lot of times like, hey, I think you should go get a full eval. Like in my opinion, it's, it's super important for a professional to kind of lay eyes on a kid to tell you, hey, here's what we think. Let's get this looked at. And then that way they can set you up because not only are they going to get those services, but a lot of times the insurance coverage comes with the diagnosis. Okay. And so that's a big piece of like, hey, this is really expensive uh, therapy. You know, all these things are really expensive, but when you get a diagnosis, they now meet medical necessity. And so, you know, it's important to have that piece as well. You can't just private pay. You could, but it'd be very expensive to just private pay everything. Um, and so, yeah, if you're concerned, I would say reach out to your pediatrician. Um, if your pediatrician's not on board and saying wait and you feel like I don't want to wait, um, I would start looking into options of who doesn't require a referral. Um, there's several um, psychologists in town that don't require a pediatric referral. Um, to actually get an evaluation. Okay. Mm-hmm. And do you find that uh, I would, if I put myself in a parent's position, I would think that this could be very difficult on the parents, depending on, I would assume maybe depending on the severity of the diagnosis. Remember, were you with me when we went to the client? Um, they're off of Segan Lane and it was pouring down rain. Okay. So we went to go visit, we went to go see them and this, lady walked in with her kid and I mean you could just tell I don't remember if you were with me you told me about it though you could just tell that it had been a rough morning for this 
parent, you know, and it really broke my heart, you know, because so when we were there, they were telling us, you know, it's things like storms, thunder, all of these things can affect these kids. And that just breaks my heart, you know. So I guess if you if you get a diagnosis at that point or or is the child diagnosed with um I'm going to say spectrum. I've heard on the spectrum, but is that just something that evolves over time or that's watched? Does it matter in terms Um, of treatment? I mean, or I don't don't know if it's treatment. Treatment's right. Um, It's a medical diagnosis. We treat it with medical necessity, basically. So medical treatment, um, that's a great word for it. We don't call it curing. Right. That's just a little bit deceiving. Right. Um, I mean, you're talking about a whole child at this point. Yes. Um, a spectrum yes. of behavior. Yes. So you're right. Yeah. Storms are a big deal. Those things are a big deal. And the diagnosis does matter um, for insurance purposes. Okay. And for schooling, those okay. kind of things. The diagnosis doesn't necessarily matter for treatment as far as like what we physically do. Okay. Um, we treat behavior. We treat functions of behavior. So we're kind of looking at the underlying whys of why something happens or why they're afraid of thunderstorms or why they're flopping their hands or why they're not communicating. So we may even look at like, well, they never actually look at anyone's face or they're never actually listening to anyone's voice. And so we actually work a lot on using positive reinforcement to really condition those pieces to then set them up to then get ready to talk. So um, sometimes that's overlooked because we're so focused on what's coming out of their mouth that we miss the fact that they're never actually paying attention to what's going around. So even if they were to learn to echo or learn to talk, they may never actually have the conversation because they're never listening at what's coming back at them. So if you think about human behavior as a whole, it's a science. It's really interesting. You can go down that rabbit hole of forever because it affects all of us. Like we all do things for attention. We all do things for access to things. Our husbands do things for access to things and our husbands do things for attention. And so it's like everyone looks and applies this to kids, but that's not really the case. Um, and so that's interesting to me is that, no, it doesn't matter. That diagnosis doesn't matter for treatment because it applies to everyone. However, it's super successful because we can take really big skills, break them down into achievable parts, and we're charting and doing things very systematically to say, like, okay, this didn't work. Let's make a change. Or this is working. Let's keep rocking and rolling with this. Um, so I, so I think each child is basically individualized. Correct. You know? Totally. Okay. Um how early are these evaluations yeah. happening? Yeah, so when our earliest I've early? seen is 15 months. Okay. Um, but, however, I've had people, especially, it, I always find that, like, moms that are nurses tend to be the ones that are, like, right on. And they're, like, calling you, like, you're going to think I'm crazy. However, you know, this is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm seeing. And the pediatrician, you know, will push them off some, like, because if they sent every mom who had a concern to the neurologist, there would be a wait list for years. Yes. Probably especially, um, like, first-time moms. Exactly. But, I mean, there are kids, or I've looked at them before, or the mom's like, hey, listen, I'm telling you, I've known from three months something wasn't right. And That's I've seen the kid, and they're right. They ended up getting the diagnosis. They ended up getting treatment. And they're, you know, they're rocking and rolling. They're fine. But it's it's just a it's got to be kind of a heartbreaking process to like be waiting. Um, but you know, then there's the other end of people who have no idea, and then the child is eight, and then we're looking at that as well. So, well, and that's what I was going to actually ask. And I'm I was going to use the word denial, but I feel like that's kind of a harsh word. But sure. I just wonder if if you ever. I would think you would have come across parents that I'm gonna say rationalize behavior, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever it may be, and just. Because to me, the parents need to be on, and I know this is easier said than done, by the way, listeners, but I would think that the parents need to be on board and maybe even go through some therapy themselves in terms of acceptance of the diagnosis and the treatment. But just from that little bit, I kind of want to talk a little bit more about treatment and and. and I'm going to say success rates, but you know, sure. Katie, you know, I'm an accountant, not a, uh, not, yeah. not what you do. Um, so 
you know, I think that there's, it sounds to me like there's a lot of hope Mm -hmm. that just because you have this diagnosis, even though if it's really young and yes, it's, 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 every parent knows it's going to be for the rest of the child's life, you know, into adulthood. Can you kind of just talk about that? You said early intervention is key, but when you say like, it's, they're fine, is Mm -hmm. it where they are able to live by themselves and get a job? I mean, and I'm sure that's individualized. I'm just Mm kind of wondering all the therapy is to, I would assume, be able so that the, the child can grow into an adult and live as, I'm going to say normal, you know, but as standard of a life as possible. Yeah. So I like to refer to things as support levels. So, and I think even the diagnosis has kind of gone towards that. You get level ones, twos, and threes. Um, and it's all based on like how much support would this person need? Because yeah, we're talking about them as children. However, I know plenty of adults right now that have gotten diagnosed with autism. You know, they're married and they're older and then they're realizing like, wait a second, mm-hmm. all of this kind of applies to me. And you'll actually, um, you know, there's actually some books, fiction books that a lot of authors are even incorporating this in, especially with women, because I mean, I think I know which one. Yeah. I'm there's actually about. like three or yeah. four out that are yeah. really popular right now that this happens that way. Um, including maybe the one you're going to read this. Okay. Month. Um, and so I think it's really important that like people kind of look at that as how does this get, how do we get there? And like, what does that look like as a diagnosis from the parent's perspective as well? Because we talked about like, it is, there's, there is some denial because I always talk about it as like the stages of grief. So you look at it that way and it really does apply because I mean, you have all these expectations, you have this cute little baby and everything is perfect. And then, you know, you put all these things in your head about what's going to happen. And then maybe something kind of goes off course and you're like, that's okay. We're going to be fine. It's going to be great. And there's like a lot of that stuff of the pediatrician said, we're going to wait. The speech therapist said, maybe it's just this. My grandma told me that my husband talked it. You know, like, so my mother-in-law said my husband mm-hmm. talked at three and, you know, there's all these things and like that really does play into stuff is like moms sit up at night and they Google. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. And that can be horrible, but also like you need to be informed. Um, and so to me, it's like, it's less about denial and more about like that, that hope. Um, and so then I think once they kind of, you'll see, I'll see parents that like literally the day they get the diagnosis, they'll show up at the clinic and they'll say, they told me to come straight here. I have this paperwork and, you know, they're crying and I mean, it's crazy emotional, but it's like, Hey, I think there's some help in the fact and like some confidence in us of saying like, Hey, we do this every day. Yeah. Like you're not by yourself. Um, nothing you say is really going to shock me. I've heard a lots of things at this point and like, we're just going to take it day by day. We're going to do what we can do. And then we'll add in that aspect of parent training. And I think that's really important is that the parents have to be on the same page as, as we are at the clinic. Otherwise, they're going to go home and it's going to go backwards or there's no buy-in and then there's a lot of work involved. There's some data collections. There's, you know, understanding the lingo that we use and really kind of applying those pieces at home. And like, we want to know what those parents' goals are for their child. So yes, yeah, sometimes being fine means they grow up and they get married and they have kids and they live the American dream. And sometimes being fine means, hey, maybe they use an iPad to communicate, but they can go to the grocery store and tell people, what they want, or they can order at a restaurant, or they can go somewhere and not have a meltdown. Um, and so I think it's important to kind of look at the child individualized. Like we take everything, we do an assessment, and then we say, okay, here you are. Here's where we want to be in six months. So that's kind of how we chunk it apart is like, what does it look like in six months? And sometimes we get there and sometimes, you know, something goes awry. Because mm-hmm. I mean, the other thing that you have to think about is there's also sleep issues with autism. There's all these other things. And medications a lot of times are prescribed for a lot of things like this. So sometimes we may be going fine and then we don't realize that we're dealing with the side effects of a med. And so then it's like, wait, or oh, this child's not sleeping or that 
we never realized that maybe their sleep pattern got totally off. And so we'll get a kid who woke up at 2 a.m. And we're trying to like do therapy at 10. <laughs> it's not really that great. Yeah. So it's like there's so many pieces um, and so complex. I wish I could sometimes just look into kids' brains. So like I would have a really good aspect of like, and like a, just a concept of what's happening in there. But um, yeah, a lot of times it's just looking at what we can see, taking into effect like account the things we can't see, and then really treating from there. So yeah, the success stories look different. I have a lot of kids that go to school. That's obviously our goal. Um, but I mean, I have a lot of kids who come to me at four non-vocal. And so what does that look like for them? How do they protect themselves? Yeah. Because like, you know, like the risk of someone be taking advantage of you if you're an adult that can't speak is really, really great. Wow. I mean, like that is a huge risk. And so it's like, you've got to really take into account, like, how do we protect them? Who supports them? What does that look like? Um, and we even worked with parents, like connecting them with people who can talk about like, what happens if something happens to these parents? Does it go on the sibling? Does it, like, what do they, where do they go? So, I mean, there's, like, so many crazy things to think about. Um, but it's, like, for us, it's it's get them in, get them services, and let's let's look at what we'd be dealing with then. Um, but, of course, I have parents who show up on the first day. They're, like, will he get married? I'm like, I have no idea. Well, they're probably, they're probably <laughs> panicking. Yes, like, panicking. I am a panicky type yes. of person. I would be panicking and trying to, you know, what does the next 20 years look like? What if something happened to me? You know, what's going to happen? I, I I mean, I just feel like, and, and I don't know if part of that is just because probably ignorance, like somebody like myself, you know, it sounds terrible or scary and it's mm-hmm. unknown to a lot of people. But like you said, they're not alone. And that's why there's professionals like you guys. So let's kind of talk about your center and you know, what are the services that you, that you're providing? So sure. I, I know it depends on the child, but just kind of give us a summary No, so of that. we basically do, um, like 90% of our services are one-to-one, um, applied behavior analysis therapy. So we are doing everything I just talked about, like assessing, breaking down skills, doing those things. They work one-to-one with a therapist. We also have a piece where we are partnering with, um, Grace Life Preschool and we're doing like a developmental pre-K. So those are for the kids who, they don't need one-to-one all day. They need to be around other kids. We need them in a preschool environment, but they need more support than what other preschools can give them. And so, honestly, that area is huge because there's so many people who are kids who are getting kicked out of other schools and they don't really have a diagnosis. Sometimes they don't need one. Sometimes they just need the skills to be really taught to them in an environment where that can be taught and then get them out. Um, and so we had that piece. And then we also allow um, speech therapists and occupational therapists um, to come in on site. I would love to hire one. I just... Can't find one right now. <laughs> Hiring is my biggest issue at the moment. Um, and so... You have a whole podcast on just that. It's a mess. <laughs> um, and so that's kind of one of the things is we allow them to come in. We're working really closely with another company um, to try to get all the kids seen, you know, who want it. Uh, certain days. So okay, so do you guys offer school during the day or it's therapy specific to... I keep doing my hands like push them out, but that's not what I mean. I yeah. mean like get them to a point where they can go to school. Yeah, yeah. both. So um, we don't call it school because it's therapy all day. Okay. But you would come here and you could come there instead of school. Okay. We have um, one client right now that comes after school. We just close at five. So it's like by the time you get across town in traffic, like your school after school options are real limited. Okay. Um, and also it's much more effective if we can have you for you know, extended amount of time, comprehensive service, and then really kind of transition you out if possible. So let me ask you this. I would think that if somebody, you know, if a child is there for the majority of the day. Yeah. Uh, it sounds, ex- they're basically working all day, yeah. whether they realize it or not. You yeah. know, their brain is working. Something's working, you know. Um, 
I assume they would have built-in breaks or something. Oh, like yeah. That, it all looks like know? play. Um, so we're working them. However, it doesn't look like work. Oh, okay. So um, like if you walk can, in. Can you can we do that here? Yeah, exactly. I wish, <laughs> I wish my dog didn't look like work all the time, too. Okay. Um, but, yeah, basically, I mean, if you walked in right now, you would see kids and adults just all over the floor. Um, looks a little chaotic, but we believe in, you know, putting them in an environment that will look much like more chaotic than a just one room, one adult, one kid situation um, that is super quiet because, yeah, sure, I'm sure you could learn in that environment. But then when we transition into the school and there's 15, 20 other kids in your class, what does that look like for you? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we, we put them together based on their age, some, and also their level of, like, support needed. And so, um, like, if they all can talk, then we want them all playing together. You know, if they're talking in AAC devices, we want some of those kids together so they're so not not so alone. I'm like, I'm the only one on an iPad, you know? Um, And then we kind of facilitate those interactions that way. Um, So yeah, they're working. Their little brains are working just as they would at school though. Okay. But it's just a lot more fun. What's the most common age that you're seeing? Oh, probably um, two to four is probably my my biggest crowd right now. Go ahead, Miss Maggie. I noticed that the the preschool's name is the same as your name. So which came sure. first? How did that partnership? Sure. So we're inside Grace Life Fellowship Church. Okay. Um, and Grace Life Preschool is just a piece of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we are independent. We just rent space there. Mm-hmm. But I kind of just liked the name. I felt like it's really hard to pick a name. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just went with it because it's like if I'm I'm planning to have another location at some point. So it won't be weird to be Grace Therapy Center there. It's just confusing now because we also have Grace Christian Counseling in the building. So people get really confused. But once you kind of look at how it works, it all kind of flows. Yeah. I think it all sort of fits together. Yeah, it does. It (laughs) does. Um, About how many children are you guys treating at this moment? Um, 30. 30. Okay. Do you have a maximum capacity? I don't. Um, We grew super fast. If you would ask me six months ago if we'd be at 30 kids, I would have been like, no. <laughs> no, but um, we don't have a capacity. My biggest problem right now is um, hiring staff. Yeah. How many therapists do you have? 33 or 4. 30? Yeah, it's one-to-one. Wow. So it's like I'm hiring like crazy constantly, forever. Okay. Plus my BCBA. So, I mean, I probably have 35 with all of us. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so and so these therapists, I mean, clearly they are specialized in this particular area. Um, I really didn't know there was that many. Well, so it's a little bit different than speech therapy. So most people are used to that model of services. So basically in speech therapy, it would be the speech therapist provides the service. That's not really how it works with us. It's um, we oversee a caseload of kids and a group of client, I mean, a group of therapists. And so basically we train them to implement it all. So we oversee. So these people that are line therapists could be college students. I have some part-time college students that we train and they go through our training program. Um, it could be people right out of college, different things like that, that don't know. Like, I want exposure to the field because no one knows about it. Yeah. And then by the time they know about it, it's like, okay, well, I wish I would have known five years yeah. ago. Now I'm on this path, career path, and I have to completely switch. Because um, you need a master's degree to be um, the BCBA portion of it, but you don't need one to, to implement the therapy. So I would... When I when I think about the therapists, though, mm-hmm. I would think that their days are probably they're they are very passionate about what they do. But I feel like there's got to be days that can be frustrating or stressful. Yeah, every, every day. day. Yeah, every day. Yeah, I would, I would lie to you if I said everyone loves it every day. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time, and the burnout rate is crazy. Um, we try to keep it fun. 
we have a lot of coffee trucks that come and a lot of tacos and a lot of just just things to just break up the day. Yeah. Um, we also don't have them typically work with the same kid all day. Okay. Um, so around lunchtime, we switch. Um, but yeah, I mean, you have to love it to some extent, but you have to also know, like, it's going to be crazy today. Yeah. Like, there's just Real. days also when we're short-staffed or people call in sick and what does that mean for the kid? And, you know, it's just a little bit different. It's like not someone in an office job where if they can work from home, that's not really a thing. Yeah. So. It has a realistic expectations. Mm-hmm. It just sounds, I mean, I think it's great that there are people that do that, but man, they must have a ton of patience. But the other side is it's so different. Like the reward is so different. Yeah. Right. Like you're getting your paycheck, but at the same time, you're also changing the lives of an entire family. I mean, I have families that I worked with 12 years ago and their kids are in college now or old and it's sad, but yeah. it's great. I mean, yeah. I'm still seeing them. They'll send me updates. So, I mean, it just keeps going on forever. Like, hey, I made a huge difference. That kid has no clue who I am and that's okay. Like, I'll yeah. sit back and watch your pictures on Facebook. Oh, I love that. So, I think there's also that piece that you don't get in other jobs as well. Yeah, I, I definitely can see that. I just would feel like well, just because I feel like sometimes their behavior is a little unpredictable, totally. you know, and it's, and that's, that would be hard for somebody like me. Sure. <laughs> it's full, definitely not for everyone. In full disclosure, like yeah. I would be going and expecting, you know, like this is what we're doing today. And I feel like probably very few days actually end up like that. Zero days. Right. Okay. Well, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. You're the right, the right profession. <laughs> All right. Thank you for validating yes. that. All right. Maggie, do you have a question? Oh, I was just thinking, adults adults do that, too. Sometimes their moods and behaviors are very unpredictable and erratic. Yeah. Um, well, the other thing about that's crazy about my job is I get to work with kids, but I also get to work with adults. Yeah. And so sometimes their behavior is worse than the kids that I deal with, um, or even, like, parents. Sometimes parents are difficult, too. Yeah. You know, it's like, just give me the children. <laughs> yeah. Just give me the ch- Let yeah. me do my thing with the children. Yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of what I was thinking Earlier, just in terms of, you know, I feel like when you said the stages of grief for parents, I could see that, you know, and then, you know, to, to parents, sometimes I would think they would get impatient if they think that their child should be making more progress. And then it's like, well, Katie, why are they not making more progress? And trying to explain that to someone who's not going through it and not a specialist. I mean, it's not the same thing as us trying to explain what we do to a client, but to an extent, it's like, okay, we know what we're doing Trust us and, you know, kind of, kind of the same, the same with you. So, um, I, I, I feel like you have a fairly calming demeanor, which I feel like you have to have yeah. to do this. <laughs> yeah. Not a lot. Fra- well, weird stuff frazzles me. Like probably stuff in my personal life frazzles me a lot more than my work life. I think I just kind of am immune to it at work. I'm like, this is what we do. It's going to be fine. And also like when I walk into a space of a parent that I can tell is very frazzled, I'm like, Hey, it's going to be all right. Yeah. Like, it's going to be fine. And also, I think that's, like, um, being warm is a really big piece of our business. Like, you have to be warm. And I used to always call it the warm and fuzzies because I'm, like, these parents who are dropping their 15-month-old off to us that thought they were going to be a stay-at-home mom and stay with their kid. And they're, like, basically saying, like, you took my child from me. Like, I'm really sorry. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, but at the same time, like, I have to look. You have to look confident. But you have to also be, like, hey, I trust you with my kid. You know, I can't look all stern and nerdy and data driven and people are going to be like that lady cannot have my child yeah so I think it's a very much to like hey you have to give off this vibe of like I know what I'm doing and I can talk the talk but at the same time like I'm on the floor playing with your kid yeah tickling and doing all the fun stuff so, so yeah so I think so um are you doing any therapy one-to-one or are you overseeing everything? no so we oversee um typically unless I have to jump in sometimes I look especially at lunchtime but um, no, mostly our job is like going through the programs, making sure that those are implemented, observing, doing lots of observing. So I really get to the fun part now of 
I get to run in and tickle the kid and play and then be like, okay, gotta go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's <laughs> you know, see him in the hall, those kind of things. It sounds to me like you probably know all of the kids to oh, some yeah, extent definitely. and then all of the parents. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's important for somebody who's running an organization with this type of field that mm-hmm. the parents know you. And yeah, they know, I'm sure they know the therapists, but yeah. there's got to be some, some comfort in, in, in knowing you, you know? Yeah, totally. I'm the first person they basically talk to. Okay. So I like talk them through the whole, like, that's the scariest part of the process anyway. And I always tell them like, if you can make it through this insurance crazy, going back and forth, all the stuff that doesn't really feel that warm and fuzzy, yeah. then you can get on the other side of it. And then it's, it's smooth sailing. I've always been like, when you talk about insurance, you know, it's just, you know, and, and even outside of autism, if somebody, you know, is diagnosed with termini- terminally ill or something like that. And like, I don't know. I feel like sometimes insurance, sorry, insurance people, they can just be jerks. Yeah. I don't feel like they have warm and fuzzies. They don't. It's, it's and black and white and I get it. <laughs> But to some extent, again, that's also why I couldn't do that because I would be like, um, yeah, we're just going to process this claim, you know, but that, that's that got to be a hard job too. Um, yeah. And that fight to me is just one extra layer of stress that people are going through during an already hard time. And maybe sometimes it's a distraction, you know, to, to, to people, but... Um, no, I just hate that sometimes they can dictate the health that you yeah. receive, you know? And the care. Landy, do you have any questions? I do. I have oh. a question. You kind of alluded earlier about, like, women finding out later in life um, yeah. that they have autism. I actually saw, it was a TikTok that came up kind of recently. It was a girl, and I think she was around my age, and she was talking about how, like, she just found out that she has autism. So I was curious if you've witnessed personally, like, the difference between boys and girls, like, being diagnosed. Yes. So um, there's a lot of research done on this, and most girls are diagnosed later um, for various reasons. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting to me because if you take out the kid population, because I feel like the diagnosis rate there is going to even out at some point because of awareness and people knowing like, hey, just because my little girl can do X, Y, and Z does not mean, you know, that she's not delayed in some areas or doesn't need a diagnosis, those things. But I think when it it comes to adulthood, it's really interesting. Um, I feel like starting this business like people feel like they all need to like confess their diagnoses to me which I've never accepted that before yeah but now I'm like oh okay but like usually it's not shocking to me because I just I'm around it so often that I'm like I can tell sometimes like this is gonna sound bad but like I can tell in your picture like not your picture but like a kid's picture sometimes if they're never looking and they're always running away from the camera sometimes I'm like oh oh like what's going on here like just even things that like because I see it so often and we deal with it every day. So when it comes to adults, like, um, you know, there's a lot of men that come to me and they're like, oh my gosh, I was just diagnosed with autism. But in women, yeah, I think it looks, um, I think it gets diagnosed with like anxiety a lot first, um, ADHD, those kind of things. And then it kind of shifts into that. However, like the diagnosis as an adult to me is, is less pressing. Um, if you've learned to cope with it, a lot of people are in counseling that have that realize that they have it and they're already in counseling because they've already sought those services of, because you wouldn't go do intensive therapy with me. Um, that wouldn't make a lot of sense. But there are a lot of counselors in town who are really good at walking you through like um, self-management of your behavior and executive functioning skills and all those things. But those all are also related to ADHD. So I think there's less women, adult women seeking a diagnosis. I feel like sometimes the men, um, their wives prompt them to get a diagnosis or they realize like, oh my gosh, you know, I didn't know that I was this rigid and this had to happen this way. And if I didn't, I was like this. And so then they kind of realize in that aspect that, hey, maybe I need a diagnosis. But I, like I said, the treatment as an adult is learning the skills to function in life. And what does that look like for you? And a lot of times it just means picking a career that you're really great for. Yeah. 
because there's a lot of kids that I'm like, this kid could grow up to be the most amazing architect. Like, you know, it's like they are so detail oriented. They can draw these incredible drawings um, and they can like have their spatial awareness is crazy. Yeah. I like that you said that about coping because I think like the biggest point the girl in the video was trying to make was that like as women and we try to do what society tells us to do and behave and be proper and stuff and that like that kind of covered up. Totally. Like being able to be diagnosed, I guess. But I mean, she lives like a normal life, so. Yeah. Like a lot of people are living that life. I mean, counseling is great. I recommend every parent of a kid with autism go to counseling. Um, There's several in the area that are starting to specialize in parents of kids with special needs just because it is such an interesting niche of like, hey, it is, there's grief, but like on the other side, it's joyous, but you're going to keep going through these phases of life where you're still going to grieve these things, right? So I think it's, I mean, I think everyone should go to counseling. Everyone. Everyone. So, Sorry, I was like, this is bothering me because I could not remember the book that I read. That was so good. I think it might have been The Rosie Project. Yeah, that's nothing. Yeah. And I was like. There's several. I'm like, it's it's very popular in fiction. And um, some of the authors even have autism that are writing them and or know someone that does. Yeah, yeah it was. But I felt like it was like, it was real, but it also had a little bit of comedy. Like, I totally. feel like the, char- the main character, it was kind of funny, too. And that was just bothering me because I was like, I don't think I've read. I read so many books that me I'm too. like, did I read this book? That Do you read or listen? I'm more of a reader. Oh, I'm a li- I have to listen. I'm a multitasker, so I'm like. <laughs> I we I've tried to listen. Yeah. I've even tried to listen to like professional type books, but yeah, I mean, I can just I I can go through books like it's nobody's business. Mm-hmm. I have a pretty specific question. Okay, ask away, Maggie. Because you mentioned um, some of the goals being to not have a meltdown. Yeah. So I'm just wondering um, when it comes to children and meltdowns, like is there. Is the way that you would handle a meltdown with an, uh, someone on the spectrum the same as you should be handling it with someone not? Like, how do y'all how do y'all handle meltdowns? Do they so, stay in the room or? Yeah, it's so difficult because it would depend on, like I said, the function of the behavior. So, like, why did the meltdown occur? So, like, say this happened in the pre-K environment because that's where we see it. Sometimes we see a lot of meltdowns because there's a lot of things not going your way, right? When the preschool day is moving on and you're not happy about it. Um, so we get like we chart behavior. So like what happened before the meltdown? What did the meltdown look like? Because sometimes that includes crying. Sometimes it includes hitting another kid, those things. And then what did you do afterwards? And typically I require the teachers to have like a couple of days of data or a couple of meltdowns worth of data. So we can take a look and say like, okay, well, it was every single time that you transitioned from recess to something else. So I always tell parents like, hey, if we're really, a lot of people struggle with transitions. However, think about it this way. Um, if you're a type A personality or any adult that has to function in the world, and I said, okay, right now, we're leaving. I'm not telling you where we're going. We're leaving. You'd be like, okay, but I had something. Nope, doesn't matter. I'm just going to put you in my car and we're going, okay, and now I'm going to plop you here. Okay, do this. Okay, I'm going to pick you up. Like, kids don't have concepts of time. Um, that doesn't come until later. They don't really understand why they have to do things they don't want to do. Some adults don't understand why we have to do things we don't want to do. Um, and so it's like we... We function by planners and calendars and reminders. And I mean, I forgot my kid at school last week and like all of these pieces. But then we're like, I don't know why this kid's upset that he had to come in from recess. It's like, well, I don't know if anyone explained to him. So a lot of times we recommend like easy recommendations would be practice transitioning from something fun to something fun. Because at home, especially, we're like, hey, okay, we're all done playing. We're going to take a bath or we're all done playing. It's time for bed. And it's like, it's always from something fun to something not so fun. And so practicing those things and then also like in the meltdown situation, like what is the actual, like with my own kids, I'm always like, 
how much sleep did you get? (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's always my first thing because I'm like, I'm not going to go over here and punish you for something that like I may have done to you. And at the same time, like maybe you just need a moment. But if I go and interact with you in the middle of a meltdown, if someone interacts with me in the middle of my meltdown, it gets worse. So like you always have to just be looking at like, why is this happening? What does that look like? What other setting events are going on? And, um, you know, like, can it, can this be diffused if I just leave it alone for a second? Um, if it's a meltdown over something that they want and you'll see this meltdown all day long and you cannot, um, like say you're in Target and there's always meltdown in Target. Okay. Well, maybe we need to look at like, what's that going on? I always also look at like how often the meltdowns are happening and how long they happen for. So those are what always be red flags for me. But there's like ways that we can track it. And like I work with a few families who like I don't actually work with their child at all. Um, I just work with the parents. And so we are like tracking behavior and going back and forth. And I've really met the kid one time. Um, so that's an option, too, is like people will private pay for just we call it parent consultation or parent training. But it's super helpful. Well, that makes sense, too. I mean, because you said earlier that uh, and sorry, I'm still hung up on this other book that I read one time. that was just <laughs> adorable. Uh, and I cannot find it. And I'm like, was it this book that Katie suggested? But um, you said earlier that <laughs> people are with you, you know, they're, they're the ch- children are in the therapy center, but then they go home. And it's not like they yeah. they leave Grace Therapy and all of a sudden they no longer have autism. No. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. we're watching the show called Severance, which is the weirdest concept ever. But it's like people sever. And when they go to work, they're like a different person. And they, that's called their any that's their Audi but I mean that's not real life clearly and so yeah I feel like it's it's effort on the parents and and the the more buy-in that you have from them Mm -hmm. the better the data and the the better the treatment right yeah and the better the results I mean if the kid realizes I've had kids realize like I will say this at school and I will whine at home and I'll get what I want in both places so like we won't give them a cookie for saying "Eh." You know, at school, but at home they do it and they get a cookie. Yeah. And then we like go to a parent meeting and we're like, oh, he can say cookie. And they're like, what? I had no idea he could say cookie. And so, yeah, we're really like adamant about like, he has to be on the same page as us. And sometimes that means taking an hour off of work and coming to the clinic and doing a training. That sounds boring, but yeah, it will pay off in the end. But kids are smart. Whether They're so they smart. Also, I mean, they, they can play the game, I feel like. You know, <laughs> they know. They're probably more manipulative than adults sometimes, you know, totally. to get what they want. Totally. So, well, okay. I love how you can pretty much look at yourself and kind of figure yes. out where we are just grown kids at the yes. end of the day. Yes. And sometimes act like kids. Yes. <laughs> yep. Just the reality. Uh, that behavior in general is, is fascinating. It's so to fascinating. outside of autism and it's a little bit humbling too because sometimes I'm like I'm acting like such a brat you know (laughs) like I don't know why I acted like that that was really ridiculous but like at the end of the day it's just because I wanted something right then or because I it's like the same thing a toddler does I I did the same thing but it's like acceptable quote-unquote as an adult but it's well I feel so my one of my biggest (laughs) uh character flaws I would say is that I am extremely impatient okay and there are times where I like definitely can tell that I mean, I have to take some deep breaths. Like, I don't understand what's taking so long. So even picking up major yesterday at track practice, it was supposed to be done at six and it was like 6.03. And I'm like, what are they doing? I couldn't even tell what they were doing on the field. I'm sure they were doing something. I just wasn't sure what. Kind of like they were trying to do some push-ups you know, or something like that. And I'm like... I mean, it's 6.03. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, we have to Like, come on, Major. You know? So, yeah. Anyway. Um, okay, so let's talk about a little bit. This is your passion. And 
I, I you know, I think it, it's a great thing. And congratulations again for uh, starting Thanks. the clinic. But you said that you like to plan vacations. Yeah. And that you sometimes plan trips and never go on them. All the time. <laughs> okay. Is that? I think it's character flaw. <laughs> <laughs> well, is it, well, let me ask you. So, like, is it because, is your intention when you plan the trip to not go or does it just not work out? Or do you um, it plan depends. too many? It's just not realistic to be able to go on that many. Okay, times. so it depends. Um, so, like, obviously, opening a business and craziness, like, I can't just go on vacations 5,000 times this year. But, um, you know, it's just nice to dream a little bit. Yeah. And sometimes I plan a vacation and it eventually happens. But it just may not have happened when I thought it would. Um, so, like, we're going to Disney later this year um, with my husband's family and a lot of them haven't been to Disney or have never been to Disney. So I feel a lot of pressure because they're like all looking at me. That's a lot of pressure. And I'm like, whew, I don't know if I can like meet your expectations. So we, I like one of my um, colleagues, I'm like, Hey, let's go, let's go this weekend to Disney. And it was like two weeks ago. She's like, and I'm like, yeah, we're going to go on this date and this is what we're going to do. And we're going to test out all the new systems and we're going to do the transportation thing. And she's like, all right, I'm in. So we literally went to Disney this weekend. We left <laughs> it Friday at 5 a.m. Oh, how fun. And we got back at last, or Sunday night. And um, we tried everything out, and I took a bunch of notes, and we said, like, never do this with 12 people, or this would be all right. Um, so some of them end up working out. But so you do I mean, test drove it. You could do that. <laughs> so you fun. could do that as your side gig. I could, but I don't need a side gig. Yeah, you don't need a side gig. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll do it for people I love, but I'm not going to go and, like, I feel like my personality flaw would be definitely, like, oh, cool. I don't care if you ride that ride. Good luck. Like, because I don't really have my good invested in it. Yeah, I do not like to plan vacations, yeah. and I feel like... It, this really surprises people. I don't like to do a lot on vacation. Yeah. So, uh, and I, I would say I'm probably way more good with the flow on vacation because That's I awesome. don't feel like making decisions on vacation. Yeah. It depends. Do you want to eat? I don't care. What do you want to do? I don't care. You know, like we can lay around all day and I can read a book. Like I just, yeah. I get my, the decision fatigue is real, you know? So I feel yeah. Except I feel that way on adult vacations. But when you add my kids in, I do okay. not want them saying, Mom, what That's are you doing true. now? What are you doing next? Like, then I have to make 5,000 decisions on the fly. So, like, if I'm going to the beach, though, like, don't talk to me. I'm sitting on the beach reading my book. That's Maggie. That's how I feel. But if I'm going somewhere where there's stuff to do, then I want to go do it all. Yeah. And I, but I don't need a putt-putt at the beach. I don't need the arcade. I just need the beach. Right. I know. I'm not a big into doing that mm-hmm. at the beach either. Okay. So, before we go, um, we want to shout out to your husband, Joel. 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 Yeah. How long have I been married? Uh, Ten years. Okay. Is he from here, too? Yes. Oh. Born and raised? Born and raised. Oh, All us. our families live here, so we're stuck here forever. Uh, me, I mean, awesome. same. Mm-hmm. Same. You know? Yeah. I'm like, maybe I'll move when I retire. And I'm like, no. No, I won't, because then my kids will be here. Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then my parents will be here, and then exactly. my nephews will be older. And I'm like, oh, I'll just have to get a second home or something yeah. like that. So, um, And full disclosure, I did another podcast and forgot to shout out to him and shout out to other people. So, I owe him big on this. Oh, sorry, Joel. <laughs> we'll make sure to put you hey, in, the, in the social. Super shout out, Joel. <laughs> So sometimes I shout out to my husband, but it's not like a good shout out. It's more like a call out. He's like, babe, people are listening. And I'm like, I know, I forget about that. (laughs) Sorry, Patrick. Patrick's great. Okay. And your favorite food is Greek food. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Does Joel like it? Yeah, but he gets sick of it. He stops asking me what I want. Like if I didn't cook dinner, he's like, what do you want for dinner? He's like, don't say Alfasha. Yeah. Oh, like you want it every day? Like I could eat it every day. Oh. Yeah. It's It's always like. You know, am I in the mood for it? That's how he is, too. But I'm always like, no, it's good. We're going to eat it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the favorite vacation you've been on is Leavenworth, Washington? Yeah. So we actually, one of my kids wanted to see snow last oh, year. Okay. She had never seen snow. She wanted to see, like, legit snow. So I was like, let's look it up. So it started as, like, a let me look around, look at these Airbnbs, 
stalk some Instagram, TikTok people. And then I found this like little cabin in Leavenworth and it was like living in a snow globe. Oh, how fun. And my kids still talk about it. They're like, we're going back. I'm like, we're not going back right now, but it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It was great. Okay. We saw reindeer. Oh my God. It was beautiful. It sounds magic. That's yes, it was. Magical. And so it's just kind of different. And then your favorite color is black. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. She's wearing black. I'm wearing black. <laughs> my daughter told me, that's way too much black. You need to change shirts this morning. I, I love black. Too all bad. Black. I'm sorry. How, wait, how old are your kids? Uh, five and six. Five and six. Okay. Where do they go to school? Um, one's at Bullion Primary in Prairieville, and then one is at Grace Life Preschool. Oh, okay. All right. Um, yeah, so they're, they're young. Yeah. They're young. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Katie, for yeah, coming in for and me. educating us. So, you know, it sounds like you have a wait list, but just for our listeners, if people are interested in knowing more about the center, is it, do you have a website? What's yep. the best way website, to website? Website, um, center.com, um, a Facebook page, an Instagram, all of the things. Okay. All righty. Well, we really appreciate it. That was, yeah, I'm sure thanks. we could have talked way longer. And thank you for the... Louisiana Ladies Book Club recommendation. Yes, anytime. On the spot. Might have to reach out to you more often because I was literally wrote a note to myself and, you know, I just, you know, I forgot. So thanks again. And thanks, listeners. We hope that everyone has a great week. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.